All right, we're in John chapter 14 today, and this is usually the passage you hear at a funeral, but it's not intended to be a a funeral sermon. It's a sermon that our Lord gives to us that focuses on who he really is. And that's the question of today's message. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The world is confused about who Jesus really is. And today we want to affirm the Word of God and hear the Word of God clearly. You say, well, I already know who Jesus is. Well, the people that, we, that you work with do not know. Uh, the students that you go to school with do not know. The neighbors you live around do not know who Jesus really is. You know how I know that? Because if they were, we'd have to have two or three services on a Sunday morning just to accommodate the crowd. You hear what I'm saying? The crowd of people who want to adore Jesus and proclaim Jesus and, and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, we forget too because we don't really serve Him. We don't adore His name. We don't magnify Him. We don't tell anybody about Him. We're ashamed of Him. But once you know who Jesus really is, you want to celebrate the resurrected Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Well, the familiar part of this passage is where uh, Jesus is saying goodbye to the disciples. This is called the farewell discourse in the Gospel of John. And uh, He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that's the funeral part that we normally use. But when you get to verse 14, verse 6, Jesus speaks to Thomas about who he really is. And Jesus said to him, that is Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That sounds exclusive, doesn't it? It's because it is. (laughs) Jesus is the only way to God the Father. In verse 7, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him, that is the Father, and you have seen him. If you've seen me, you've seen God. If you've seen me and heard me, you have heard the invisible God. For Christ is the image, the full image, the Bible says, of the invisible God. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Father, help us to see you more clearly during this message today. Father, give us clarity through your Holy Spirit to know more about you so that we can rejoice in all the gifts that you give and all that you are to us and all that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take that verse 6 and break it into three parts where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And uh, I'll be honest with you, this is one of my sugar stick sermons. Every preacher has a sugar stick sermon. And I rework it every year. And it's your opportunity to hear it again. (laughs) 
So number one, Jesus said, I am the way. The way to what? The way to God. I am the way to God. Now, there are pathways that do not lead to God. I want to talk about a couple of those. One we might call religion, and another we might call spirituality. I want to put those two together and mention that so many people will say, I have a religion. I belong to this denomination. I'm a member of that church. Or may recognize some other world religion, like I'm a Hindu, or I'm a Buddhist, or I'm Islam, you know. And, and through that religion, they feel like they have a relationship with ho holy God. Uh, the one thing that Christianity has that's different from every religion of the world is that every religion of the world is trying to climb and work its way up and finally achieve nirvana or reincarnation or something else and discover who God is. But in the Christian faith, it's just the opposite. God has come down to us in the form of a human being, in the full likeness of a human being, yet he was fully God. Fully human and fully God. And that's a mystery we're still trying to figure out and debate in the theological circles as well. But the Bible teaches that Jesus was fully God and he was fully human being as well. In other words, as Jesus told Philip here and the other disciples, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. And uh, he said, how long have I been with you and you not yet come to, mo to know me? If you have seen me, Philip, you have seen the invisible God, the Holy Father. Another way people talk about their relationship to God, they say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And that has become a code word that people are using nowadays to say, I don't belong to church, don't believe in religion of any kind, but I'm still a spiritual person. I have faith. I was witnessing to someone here just a few weeks ago, and they kept saying, I have faith, I have faith. And yet they didn't know Jesus and would not pray to receive Christ, but say, I have faith, I'm spiritual. And that's a phrase that you'll hear a, a whole lot. So these are some pathways that do not lead to the true and the living God. Why? Because it's me working toward God. It's my goodness and my righteousness that, uh, that, that, that is trying to achieve a relationship with holy God. We have another way, another pathway that is, does not lead us to the true and living God. And we might call that the culture of self-help. This is the Oprah Winfrey kind of crowd. Read all the self-help books and you'll get your act together. And somewhere in that self-help industry and literature, there's this idea of spirituality. But one thing all these terms have in common is something called self-justification. Now, anytime you're trying to make yourself right with God, you're trying to justify yourself. And you cannot justify yourself. Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And there's only one sacrifice and one atonement that can wash away the sin and remove us, remove the, the sin that is in us so that we can have a relationship with holy God. God is holy. We are not. And holy God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And by faith in him and trusting his sacrifice on the cross when he died for our sins, 
can we possibly have a relationship with holy God? It's not about my goodness. It's not about my righteousness. It's not about my religion. It's not even about my spirituality that can bring me into a right relationship and, a, and, and enjoy of the, the, the right relationship with holy God. These do not work. Why? Because these are absent of one thing. They're absent of grace. It's the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes him, uh, in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, it is the grace of God that was delivered when Christ died on the cross that saves us from our sins. So let's talk about this Jesus pathway now. This Jesus pathway. This is the pathway that leads us to a relationship, an eternal, not a part-time, not while I'm breathing, but after I have transitioned from this life to eternity and beyond and beyond as well. We want to call that the Jesus path. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. On the Jesus path, Jesus was God in human form. He was, according to Scripture, the Word become flesh and dwelt among us. Even the Apostle Paul said, there is one God and one go-between, between us and God. It's not me, the preacher. It's not mom and dad. It's not grandma and grandpa. It's not a neighbor. It's not any other good person. There's one mediator between God and us, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. One time when the chief priests and the Pharisees sent their delegates, their officers, to seize Jesus because he upset them about their religion. Their religion was works-based, keeping the law, keeping the Ten Commandments. And the religious people of Jesus' time believed that if you kept the law perfectly, you would have the gift of eternal life. And so Jesus sent, I mean, these Pharisees sent their chief officers and they went to seize Jesus because they tried to kill him. And these who went to arrest Jesus unsuccessfully came back empty-handed and they said no man ever spoke like this man Jesus Jesus taught them as one who had authority the Bible says and not like the educated scribes even Jesus enemies ask where did he get this wisdom now, the Bible teaches us about two kinds of wisdom there's the wisdom of God, and then there's our educated guess. That's two kinds of wisdom we have. Most of us are living by our educated guesses. We've got all kinds of education. We've got all kinds of degrees, and we think we are wise. But we're not. I mean, we are on the brink of world war. If education could straighten out all the problems of the world, uh, all the problems of the world should have been solved by now but we are on the brink of world war. Once when many of the disciples had turned away from following Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus said to the apostles, the twelve that remained, will you go away too when you're disappointed in Jesus? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Even Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life in John chapter 6. 
Jesus said, my desire is that everybody that's gathered around him will inherit eternal life and not enter into condemnation. John wrote in the scriptures, in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Paul concurred with that in the scriptures that he gave as well. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. What makes the Jesus pathway different from all other pathways that people are trying to decide upon is this one event that really happened in our history. Do you know what that one event was that happened that made everything Jesus said validated and true? What is it? What is that one event that without it our faith would be in vain? What is that one event in the life of Jesus Christ that uh, validates everything he said about himself. What is that one event? The resurrection. And that's why I say it, funeral sermons, I say, we are the people of the resurrection. That's who we are. That's where we get our identity, in the resurrected Christ. Folks, Jesus is the way to God. He is the only way to God. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. What are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing with Jesus? Well, secondly, in this passage, in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. In fact, I would expound that a little bit and say Jesus is the truth from God. We've already discussed how Jesus came from God. This truth from God has now come to us. And I want to give you five uh, truths that Jesus has given to us from the Heavenly Father that will transform your life. Number one, this will transform your life. If you will embrace, if you will embrace, if you will embrace this truth, God loves you. God loves you and has a plan for your life. It's amazing to me how long in my lifetime I believe, did not believe that. Even as a Christian, I heard that, but I did not embrace that. For a long time, I thought God was still mad at me because of my sin. For a long time, I thought God brought bad things to happen to good people because that's, God would just mean sometimes. I, I, I thought that I had done something wrong and would I ever be forgiven? And then I paid attention to the parable that Jesus told about the prodigal son that left home. And the father loved him so much that he was uh, waiting down the lane every day for this son to repent and return to him. And he had unconditional love for that son. He killed the fatted calf. He put a robe, he put a a robe on him. He put a, a, a ring on his finger to, to give him an identity of, of royalty because he belonged to his father. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. Somebody said, some people will tell you God loves you, and we have a plan for your life. No, what is God's plan for your life? Follow the love of God, and you'll follow God's plan for your life. Here's a second truth that will transform your journey. This is the truth that comes from God to us. And, and we need to hear this today more than any other time. When I was a seminary student, they talked about the Imago Deo. 
There you are. Big word. Imago Deo. Image of God. I am created in the image of God and live to glorify Him. My gender was determined when I was born. And I didn't determine it. Anytime I determine my agenda or who, what I want to identify like, Jesus is not my God. I am my own God. I have invented myself in my own image, in my own ideas. I am created in the image of God. God is person. I am person. There are a lot of animals and creatures that God made, but none of them have person. You are person. I am person. And that's why God loves you so much, because he created you in his image. Number three, why am I here? I exist to proclaim the gospel. Now, if you had the opportunity to attend camp at least last year and this year, there were a lot of uh, students working there that wore these T-shirts, and on the back of them they say, I exist to proclaim the gospel. That's my job. That's why I'm here. I'm to live out the gospel. I'm to share the gospel. I am to proclaim the gospel. And that's not just the preacher's job. That's every Christian's responsibility. That's our assignment. Number four, I am free to embrace the future God has for me. I am free to embrace the future God has for me. So many of us are stuck in the past. Yesterday, we're, we're still looking. You know, it's like we're riding in a truck. Back, when, back before seat belts and all that, how many of you rode on the tailgate of a pickup truck? Anybody do that? Anybody still do that? One or two. One or two. Okay, it's two back there in the back. We'll pray for those guys. <laughs> Young deacons in our church. How did y'all get elected to start with? My goodness. Riding on the tailgate of a truck. Well, uh, I think that's how we live life sometimes. Life's going this way and we're looking back that way. You know, the only woman in the Bible that Jesus mentioned, hear this carefully, the only woman in the Bible that Jesus mentioned was Lot's wife. And he said, speaking about the future, the future being the judgment day to come, Jesus said to the multitudes, remember Lot's wife. That's the only time he ever mentioned a woman from the scriptures. Well, what, what was that all about? What was that story all, all about? Well, God had delivered and saved Lot and his wife from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as they were leaving town, Lot's wife turned around. And when she turned around, the way that reads in the Hebrew text is, she longed for where she used to be. She longed for where she used to be. And she became a what? Pillar of salt. And what that really is, is being calcified. Calcified. Something that's gotten hard. Something that's gotten tough. Something that resists change. Something that is preventing us 
from moving around and living to our fullness. I believe there are many calcified Christians we're looking to the past and not embracing the future. Someone said to me one time, look not to the past with nostalgia, nor to the future with fear, but instead embrace the precious present, this very moment that you are in, that Jesus reigns and rules in your life. That's truth that will transform your life. And then number three, Jesus said, I am the life. I am the life of God. He said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Jesus has the power to give us eternal life. He said, I am the good shepherd and I give them eternal life. Jesus is the life of God. Now when I think about that a little bit, take time to meditate on that just a little bit. Knowing that I have eternal life gives me a unique, one-of-a-kind freedom. I'm going to live forever. And sometimes I just look at myself in the, in the bathroom mirror and just confront myself with the truth because I am kind of get scared of death sometimes and I'm scared this is going to happen sometimes. And, and I just look myself in the mirror and I say, you are going to live forever. We did some exercises last Sunday. Let's try this one with each other. Find somebody sitting next to you. If you're a believer, say, I am going to live forever. Do that right now. I am going to live forever. I am going to live forever. The author John Piper said this about this kind of freedom. He said, and hear, hear, hear what he has to say. I don't always quote John Piper, but this one's right on. There is no true freedom where happiness depends, excuse me, let me start over. There is no true freedom where happiness depends on denying the inevitable. There is only slavery disguised in a thousand forms of fun and busyness. What I interpret that to mean is, we engage in many activities. We are the busiest generation that there's ever been because we hear something behind us saying, and it gets louder all the time, you're going to die. I got a deacon in a church where I came from that said, and he just says this every now and then, just none of us are going to get out of here alive, he said. It is appointed unto man once to die. How do you react to that? Or how do you respond to that? Yes, death is inevitable for all of us. In fact, we're the only creature God made that has self-awareness of dying. True. The threat of death is like a, the stuck key on an organ. 
every year that stuck key on that organ just gets louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And we run and we stay busy and we stay preoccupied in everything in the world because we don't want to deal with it. Well, I have good news. You can look death square in the face and praise God because I won't always be here in this world that is dying and, and drowning and uh, will be burned up with fire. I have a home in heaven that is eternal and it's forever and forever. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious. If I go and prepare, uh, prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I'm not going to die. I'm going to die this physical death, but I'm going to live forever. And Bill, the longer I live, I don't care about being in this body anymore, to be honest with you. I want a resurrection body like Jesus had when he came up from the grave. And that's the promise that we have. Folks, that is a freedom that no other faith has. You ask a, a Muslim, are you going to heaven? Will you live forever? The response you'll get again and again and again, same response, don't know. If it's God's will, maybe, don't know. Well, I know. Because my Savior who was raised from the grave told me so. So knowing that I have eternal life gives me this unique freedom. I can be calm in the face of death. And number two, knowing I have eternal life gives me hope. Not only for me, but my posterity, the little ones who are following after me. A survey was made of 90-year-old persons, and uh, the question was asked, if you had to do your life over again, what would you do differently? And many of them would say, I would reflect more. Nobody said, I'll stay at the office more. Nobody said, I'll work harder. But I would reflect more. I would enjoy more moments, more sunrises, more sunsets. More moments of joy. Secondly, they said, they would take more risk and chances. Life's too short not to go for it. And thirdly, they said they would have left a legacy. Something that would live on after they die. We're, we're studying about mentoring in Sunday school. And, and I, would ask, I would just ask myself today, who am I bringing up behind me? Who am I bringing along behind me so that when I pass and go through that curtain from this life to eternal life, they will know Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's the legacy that I hope to leave, and may that be the legacy that you consider as well. Well, what are you doing with Jesus? Some of you have made a decision to give your life to the Lord fully and completely, and you need to follow through in baptism. When we sing this song in just a minute, I want you to come up here and sit in that pew right there, and we're going to talk and counsel for just a little bit and set up a time for you to be baptized. Some of you, this may be the first time you've even thought about giving your life to Christ, and you said, I'm ready to settle it today, and I'm ready to let Christ be my Savior and my Lord. You, you come on too. Some of you want to unite with Ekron Baptist Church from the sister church. Uh, we want you to come too. Some of you may just want to come and pray. Uh, whatever's on your heart, let's do it. We stand together. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy that was freely given to us on the cross. That if we will just believe in you by following you and letting you be the Lord of our life, we too can have this eternal life. Thank you, Father, for the price that you paid. Jesus, the price you paid when you died on the cross. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's bringing conviction when the Word of God is proclaimed, like during this message today. Lord, have your way now. May we make decisions that will bring glory and honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.